Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well, um, I want to set this up. We're going to have a testimony in a minute. I've asked Brenton if he would share that testimony with us. But before we do that, I'd like you to turn with me, kind of set us in motion here. Jeremiah 29, familiar scripture. Jeremiah 29, I want you to look at this word, first of all, a little bit about the setting on it. Um, It's when you and if you, so I want you to see it's conditional. The background here is Israel, because of their disobedience and sin, had been exiled to Babylon. It had been prophesied it would happen if they didn't turn. They didn't turn, so they got God's judgment. As a result of that, for 70 years, they're in exile. The prophet Jeremiah prophesies it's going to be 70 years, which, by the way, is three score and ten. So they're living in the world, but after 70 years, he's going to bring them back to the eternal city. Isn't that just like us? We get a promise of three score and ten, but then he's going to, we live in the world, and then we're going to go to the eternal city. And so, interesting connection there. But I want you to see this, verse 11, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. God's got a plan for your life. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope in the days when you pray i will listen if you look for me wholeheartedly you will find me i will be found by you says the lord i will end your captivity and restore your fortunes you see the condition associated with that i'm going to invite brenton to come on up Um, I want you to see the last two weeks we've been looking at how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've given you enough biblical basis. If you haven't heard them, go online, get them. This is, we, we can't do this walk in the Spirit without the Holy Spirit, right? And so we look for people who, I've been watching this guy and his wife, Erica, the last couple of years. I remember when they came into men's group and had a testimony and God just got them. I remember still the day we met in the cafe and they said, Man, this thing on the Holy Spirit. And he's got a testimony about what happens when you sell out to God. The message this morning is, he's either Lord of your life or he's not Lord at all. Thank you, Pastor. Um, Hello, guys. My name is Britton Irvin. Um, Me and my wife, Erica, has been coming here for about a year and a half now, I would say. Um, And I was talking to Pastor Tom about his message last Sunday, 1 John 3. God used that scripture to save my life, really. Um, And I was telling him about it, and he said, man, you got to share this. I said, okay, I'll share it real quick. I'll try to run this thing fast. Um, So at 20 years old, I met God when I was 20. I was in a dark place in my life. I was sitting in a double wide, my buddy's double wide. We were sitting on the floor. He lost everything he had, no furniture, no, no, no lights. We're in the dark, and we were on drugs at the time. And I'm sitting in a corner at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking to myself, okay, so when I die, what's going to happen to me? What about me? I'm sitting there, and I see eternal darkness. So I'm in eternal darkness, and I still see the world. I see the time clock, years and years ticking. I start to feel an anxiety. I'm, what about me, Lord? What's going to happen to me? And then all of a sudden, a hand comes in and swoops me up. Okay. Now, I didn't believe in God at this time. I was just, you know, I went to church. I had some knowledge, but I didn't believe in all that. I didn't really care about all that. A hand swooped me up and said, it can be that way, but it don't have to be. And whenever he said it don't have to be, I seen the light. Boo, my anxiety went away. I jumped up. I said, we got to get off of these drugs, man. I said, "This this is crazy. I said, there's a God. There is a God. I just met him. I met God. 20 years old, I met the Lord. Well, so from age 20, I'm 33 years old, by the way, from age 20 to age 30, 
What a journey. <laughs> what a journey. I knew God. I met God. I told everybody, man, you need Jesus. Jesus is amazing. He's, he's, he's awesome. He showed me life. He's life. He's everything. I would brag about God. He's amazing. But there was one little problem there. I, okay. After I met God, I got involved in the church, and I got saved. And, I, you know, I, I gave my life. I surrendered to you, Lord. And I got baptized, water baptized, at 20, 20 years old. Well, in the process, I got married in that 10 years. I had a beautiful wife and child that I had in the 10 years. And there was no fruit in my life. There was kind of an issue there because I told everybody, you need Jesus. You need to know this Jesus I know. You got to know him. But I was still doing the very things that all my friends were doing. I was no different. So I kind of confused my friends because they're saying, he says I need this, but this guy's worse than me. So why do I need what he's got when he's worse than I am? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Ask my wife. She'll tell you more than anybody. She knows me more than anybody. So, 30 years old, I was in a bad place again. Because, see, I did clean up. When I got saved and water baptized, I got better. I got off the drugs. I was doing good. I was a good guy. I was saved. But there was really no fruit in my life. I was still walking in darkness. There was no fruit. So, at 30 years old, I'm back on drugs again, married with a wife. She had no clue I was on drugs. My life's horrible. I'm getting beat up every day. I mean, I'm going to church on Sunday. Hallelujah, I've been set free. And then when I get out, I'm smoking pot. Right after church now, I'm right back smoking pot. But there's grace because God forgives us all, right? He forgives us. So, you know, I'm just wretched. I'm just a Roman 7 man. I'm a wretched man. I want to do what's right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Well, there, that's, there's a reason why I didn't have the ability to carry it out, okay? So I'm laying in the bed one night. My life's miserable. I mean, me and my wife's arguing. It's just miserable. I watched this movie called The Holy Ghost on Netflix. If you've never seen it, you need to see it. It's an amazing movie. Well, there's this guy named Todd White. Dreads. He's bold, man. He's walking. Jesus. And he goes into a corn concert. And I'm like, I woke my wife. I said, get up. Get up. I said, look at this guy. This guy knows God. I said, there's something about this guy that's real. This guy knows God. And so I was fascinated with, with the way Todd White was doing things and praying. And God, I said, God, I was actually jealous of Todd White. I said, Lord, I know you. I know you just like he knows you, God. I met you. Do you? Do you really know me? I heard that voice that I heard when I was 20 years old. I finally heard that same voice that said, it can be that way, but it doesn't have to be. I heard that same voice, and it clicked. Do you? I said, what do you mean, do I? Yeah, I know you. I talk to you every day for 10 years. I've been talking to you, Lord. Have you really been talking to me? Todd White's preaching this gospel of holiness, holy boldness, walking in righteousness, walking pleasing the Father, not giving in to sin, walking in your calling, being who God's called you to be. I'm jealous. God I could be doing the same thing he's doing, Lord. I know you too. I know you just like that man does. God says, okay, I want you to read 1 John 3. Read it. 1 John 3. Put, open it up. Those who continue in sin have never seen the Father or known the Father. Oh, gut-wrenching time. Lord, I got a lot of junk going on in here. It's, I'm a sinner. I'll admit, I got a lot of stuff going on in here. But I do know you, right? He says, son, I'm a celebrity to you. He said, I met you one time, but you sure don't mind telling everybody you know me and acting like you know me, but you don't look nothing like me. He said, matter of fact, you look just like your mother, the world. He said, you got all my posters on your wall. I looked up. My wife had a Hope poster cross. You got all my hit songs. We had a Christian song playing. You got all my hit movies. We had a Christian movie playing. He said, but I've never met you. One time, when you were 20 years old, I introduced myself to you. Man, that's just, that was gut-wrenching for me. I'm like, man, hold on. i got to rethink this whole thing. Like, I, 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 who have I been talking to? Satan. Satan comes as an angel of light. And he makes you think that you're doing fine. You're good. God's got grace. You're good. Romans 7, read it. Paul struggled. You're going to struggle. Eh, wrong. Read Romans 6 and 8 to clarify. Romans 7. 
Romans 7 is a man that didn't have Holy Spirit. That's a Jew who trusted in the law. That was me. So I'm like, all right, Lord, this is crazy. I don't know you like I thought I knew you, man. I'm talking to the devil like, oh, my God, what, what's going on, Lord? All right, well, this took eight months of debate, back and forth, back and forth. I don't know, man. And God said, I want all of you. I made you for me. I didn't make you for you. I made you for me. He said, once you realize that, I'll change you. I said, you're, you're going to change me? He said, I'll change you. He said, I want your junk. I said, you want this junk? I said, my wife's about to leave me. I'm on drugs. I curse every other word. I said, my goodness, you want this? Yes, I died for you. I want it. All right, Lord, I don't know. I'm a pretty selfish guy. I'm enjoying life. right. I mean, I thought I was enjoying life. I was doing what I wanted. Well, eight months of this, all or nothing, all or nothing, light or dark, yes or no, right or wrong. There is no in between. God said it's all or it's nothing. If you don't give me all, I will not change you. He said you can do good. You can get off the drugs for a little while, go to rehab, whatever you got to do, but then demons are going to come back seven times more. And then, then it's going to run you in the grave, and the devil's going to have you. God told me, he said, I'm at the point where I'm going to let Satan have you if you continue this way. Eight months, y'all, arguing with my wife, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, one day at a racetrack, we're leaving. I tried to get my wife to go to a bar with me. I said, let's go, baby. They're having fun. God's amazing. I'd get drunk and talk about God. God's amazing, y'all. Everybody struggles. He's amazing. Well, my wife wasn't having it. She said, no, I'm done with you. I'm leaving you. I'm tired of this mess. I'm done. I'm gone. I said, man, I was so mad at her. I was so angry. I said, let's go home. Let's go home. I'm on the way home. And I said, God, you still want to make that deal? You still want that deal? You want this right here. All of this right here. All right. I said, honey, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> put your seatbelt on. You remember that ride home. Put your seatbelt on and do not grab this steering wheel while I'm driving down this road because I'm going to confess every single thing to you. I'm going to let it out. I'm tired of it eating me up like a cancer. I'm sick of this life. I hate the man i become. I can't even look at the mirror and be happy about who I am. I can't even, I know I'm wrong. I can't even look at myself. I don't want to do these things I'm doing, but I, but I still keep doing it. I love God, I thought. I thought I loved him. He's amazing. I always bragged about God. So I let her have it. And boy, did she get it. A lot. I let it out. I've been doing this. She didn't even know half the stuff I was doing. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I've been doing it. I said, God, I did it. I gave it all. I told her everything I didn't want to tell her. And, I, and, I, and I'm giving you me. Next day, she's leaving me. I'm done with this guy. Oh, my God, I cannot believe this guy's been doing this. I'm leaving this guy. I don't care. I did what you said, God. I made the deal with you. I gave it to you. I'm on my knees in the bathroom the next day. I said, Lord, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm tired of this game back and forth. I'm all in. He said, are you really? What now, Lord? I said, well, I've just confessed everything. He said, yeah, you did. But there's one thing. There's a bag of pills in your car that you're in the back of your mind going to use to try to get off of all the withdrawals that you're going to have from all the stuff you got off of. And you're not telling your wife about it. And you're not trusting in me. So no deal. No deal. Hold on. Hold on, Lord. Hold on. Hold on. I've already went this far. Baby, come here. I got I, in my secret hiding spot. There's pills in there. And I was going to use them to come off of all the other stuff I was on. I don't even need to go into detail. There was a lot of stuff. I'm going to need you to go get them because me and God don't have a deal if I don't. I gave it up. It was one thing, y'all. One thing. And God said, no deal. I gave it up. I said, you know what? Here they are. You know what God said? Thank you, my son. Now come give me a hug. Come give me a hug. Thank you for giving me you and understanding what I was here for. Y'all, I kid you not, if you have any doubts, ask my wife. The next day, no curse words. No curse words, no smoking cigarettes, no depression. Ask my uncle. <laughs> my uncle knows me, man. He knows who I was before Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit that day. Holy Spirit power, power, okay? And now for two years, two and a half years almost, no backsliding. I haven't touched one of them things. And you know what's more awesome? I had no withdrawals. None. I was on some bad stuff. Cigarettes every day. I was on it all. No withdrawals. Not one. Not one. Because you know why? I understand that I'm a son of God and that he has rights to me. I don't control this thing. He does. Okay? 
Now, here's the deal, though. It's an everyday thing. This ain't no one-time occurrence, guys. What does the Scripture say? If any man shall follow me, he must first deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me daily. We are the enemy. See, that's what you, we don't get. The devil tricks it off on its him. God told me, you give the devil way too much credit. You're the problem. Not the devil. You're the problem. Because you want to be me. You still keep eating from that tree that I told y'all not to in the garden. Woo! Let him preach now, Holy Spirit. You keep eating that tree. And ever since y'all ate that tree, I took my spirit from y'all. I removed my spirit. That's the void. That's inside of every human being that does not have Holy Spirit. That's the void. In order to get it back, you couldn't. I had to come down and defeat the devil, get the keys from him, and then give you the gift back. Because y'all are not strong enough to do it. I did it for you. That's the gospel. It's the good news. It's I've been set free. I've been set free. So now we're not talking perfection here. We're not talking perfection. We are talking surrender, and we are talking a God who hates sin. I know my father hates sin. He so hates sin in Genesis 4, he told Cain, for if you do well, the sin is crouched behind you. It's desires for you. But you must rule over it. You must. He's given us the power to walk in righteousness right now. Righteousness. What kind of power do you have if you're walking in sin? You have no power. The devil does not mind a double-minded Christian. He loves a double-minded Christian because you're misrepresenting the Father. You're making the Father look like a hoots. You're making him not look powerful. Well, God's so powerful, look at you. Now I walk in boldness and my own parents can say, look at you. That's right. Holy Spirit power. That's given me the ability to walk this thing out. Now the devil's not my problem, guys. Before I was saved, he was my enemy. Oh, that devil. God, if you wouldn't have put that devil here, I'd be all right. That devil, man. But now you know what I say? God, I thank you for that devil. He gives me a job every single day to set people free from the people that he has in bondage. Now I have a duty. Now the Christian life becomes fun. It's no longer a boring life. It's a life of empowerment, walking in power and seeing other people be set free from the same power that set me free. So my question is to you. I've got to hurry up for Tom's sake. But the question is for you. What gospel are y'all living today? You know, we talk about religion, but what gospel are you living? A manufactured gospel to fit your lifestyle? A manufactured gospel that, well, I don't agree with this, but God, I agree with you on that. But, you know, you give me grace on this. See, grace that does not lead to change is demonic. It's from the devil. God never came, a God who hates sin, came to defeat sin. Why would he come so that you can still be a wretched sinner? It makes no sense. Why would a powerful God leave you the same? My God is powerful. My God can set you free. Thank you. I hope y'all get something from this. Thank you, guys. Whoa. Now you know why I needed his testimony, right? <clears throat> I want to uh, get a hold of your wife. I want to pray over you guys right now. Everybody stretch out your hands over Brenton and Erica. I want to. Where's mom and dad? Right here. All right. Get, get all together. You need to get with your wife, though. Get over here. I want to. Lord, we just pray right now. I know mom and dad have been praying for this guy for a long time. And Erica put up with a bunch. Get in there. Get in there. Get in there, buddy. So, Lord, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. I see the evangelistic heart right here. I see it. And, Lord, I'm calling it out. Lord, in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for the pastor's heart. In the name of Jesus. So, Lord, I pray a blessing of protection and covering in the name of Jesus. I ask you to release all the anointing for the purpose, souls being saved, the word being preached right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to bring many. I see a ship's wake, and many are in your wake right now in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. We bless it, Lord. Cover them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. <sighs>
I'm excited. I'm about ready to get saved all over again. Amen. Glory to God. Woo. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Jesus. If you've never heard him rap, come out on the nights that we do worship down at uh, Curie Beach. And he raps for us. It's awesome. All right. We're going to ask you to open up your handout and turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Now, Brenton has pretty much summarized the last two weeks. I want to just, I want us to settle down now on finishing this thing. Because I know, based on this week and the feedback I've gotten from people calling me, I did three prayer ministries this week. People are struggling and they're battling to get set free. And I preached it as hard as I know to give the truth the last two weeks. You cannot do this without selling out to God. You cannot do this until you are personally baptized with the fire. So I'm not going to re-preach it, but I want you to look at what the Lord is saying. And the message is for many of us. Because this thing, I've had people who have walked with God who have decided to turn away from God, and they have completely lost what they had. And so this is a daily battle. I titled the message, My Lord and My God. There's difference in those two terms. My Lord and My God. Many will acknowledge He's God. Is He the Lord? Now, if you look at John 20, now I can relate to Thomas. My name is Thomas, and it means seeker of truth. It does not mean doubting disciple. Okay? It might have been one time, but it's now the seeker of truth. Tell me the truth. Well, you can't handle the truth. Yes, I can. I may not like it, but it, I need to know the truth because the truth will set me free. Now, I want you to get the picture of where we are. Sometimes we read the scriptures and it's like we miss the emotion. It's nice. It comes off, oh, that's great, great story. No, no, no. I want you to get into the Scriptures. This is a, a technique. You should ask the Holy Spirit to bring you to the event. Bring you right into the event. Let me set this up for you. They had just spent three years. They quit their jobs. Fishermen, tax collectors, they walked with Him. They were there when the 5,000 men probably 10,000 total, each of the disciples had a basket. He said, you feed them. And they walked and it multiplied food in front of them to the point there was leftovers. They had seen the blind eyes. They had seen the deaf. They had seen the dead raised. They're in this place. And now he says, I want you to know, I'm going to be killed. They had no clue. What, what do you mean? Well, how's this working? What do you mean you're going to be for three days? You're going to destroy all the temple. In three days it'll be raised up. They had no clue. When he is crucified, here is Jesus. The word's clear. I think it was actually Lisa prayed. He was probably completely naked on the cross. We dressed this thing up. But one of the shaming of, of what the Romans did was to completely humiliate in capital punishment. They saw the one who was the answer to everything they had forsaken all in the world, and he's now there dead put in a grave, they all scatter, even Peter, the big guy, he renounces three times. You know the story. Three days later, he's back. And he appears, but Thomas, I don't know why, he wasn't with them. Where was Thomas? Was he going back to his other job? Was he not in the prayer meeting? I don't know. Here we pick up the story. John 20, verse 24. One of the twelve, Thomas, named the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. He replied, I won't believe it unless I see nail wounds, put my fingers in them, and place my hand in the wound in his side. Now, for seven days, Thomas 
must have, I don't know about you, but if one of my loved disciples, pastors came to me and said, you're not going to believe what happened. I was there, some of you, when the tumor falls out on the ground in front of you, when the white eyes turn brown and they see, when the tumor's that this big, that lay, lay hand, and the tumor disappears. It's like, when you've seen those things, you can't unsee them. You can't tell me that I didn't experience those miracles. And here's the, seven, the other disciples said, he's alive. Thomas, every night he would go to bed. I, I wasn't there. I, I didn't see him. Could it be true? Could it be real? The struggle, I don't know what he went through for seven days, but many of us have struggled. And it says, suddenly, he shows up in the room. Just like the drug trailer showed up to Brenton, God shows up, he sees the light. It's that place where God suddenly appears. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And Thomas, this time, was with them. Doors locked. Suddenly, as before, Jesus is standing among them. Peace be with you. He said to Thomas, put your fingers here in my hands. Put your hand in my wound. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God. Something happened to Thomas at that moment. He was no longer the Messiah, the Savior that was going to come set them free from Roman rule. He fell on his face and he recognized God and Lordship. And there is a supernatural difference between the two. Many of you sit here. I, I interview people all the He's my God. I believe that. I believe that. If you are not living for him and he is not the Lord over all, he's not Lord at all. So the message to us is it's time to get right with God. And so when we look at our handout here, it says, the Lord looks for us to let him be the Lord. In reality, he's not, if he's not over all your areas of your life. I want to make a correction. That's not 2 Corinthians, it's 2 Chronicles 16, 19. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Folks, it's time to stop playing games. I believe we are getting very, very close. When you look at all the scenarios, go study what the Pope is about to do next year and the connections with the one world government. Look at what's happening with humanism. Look what's happening in the nations. Look what's happening in, around Israel right now. When the rabbis, my friends, the rabbis send me messages that says the Ezekiel War and the Isaiah 17 War is right at the door. It is time to make sure that the plumb line that is in your life, mom's talking always about the golden plumb line. When she calls, I don't know how many times my wife and I look at each other, it's the plumb line again. A plumb line is to, it's a weighted thing that is used to keep a straight line. You want to build a wall? If the wall is off a half an inch at the bottom, it's going to be off a lot. You builders know that. The plumb line is the center. It's the, it's the place that keeps us in a straight line. It's the golden plumb line has been dropped. And you're either on this side of the wall or you're on that side of the wall. And it's time to stop playing games with God. I'm serious. There is times coming on this earth that is going to get very, very interesting in the near future. That song that Charla sang, let my lamp be filled with oil and let it be dripping. That's not a nice little statement out of Matthew 25. There were believers who they had no oil in their lamp. There are believers sitting in this church and other churches, they don't even know who the Holy Ghost is. They read about Him. But what impact does the Holy Spirit have on the direction of your choices in life? What is the fruit that's going on in our lives right now? 
The cost of discipleship is death to self. Number one, Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. The death march to life is really not complicated. It's just hard. We are on a death march of self. You got to go to the back. He warns us, I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew 24. I'm sorry, Matthew 16. Second, it's right there on, under the top of the outline. Second Chronicles 16, 19. Okay, we got two typos. 16, 9. Thank you for correcting. The eyes of the Lord look everywhere for full commission to those who are after him. All right, turn with me to Matthew 16. Let's pick up on verse 24. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your instrument of death, the cross. Follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And he asked the question, and what you do will benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Is anything worth your soul? For the Son of God will come. Now listen, he's coming. The Son of God will come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some of you standing here right now will not die before you see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. Of course, they saw him raised from the dead. King James says it this way, the Son of Man shall come in his glory his father with his angels, and they shall reward everyone, every man, according to his works. This is the reward of the believer. So there's a promise, but this thing that we think we can be okay just sitting in church, you can lose your soul. This pursuit of worldliness can cause us to lose our soul. We have to be careful. I, I, we, you know, we preach grace. You know that. Ephesians 2. It's not works. But there's something about once I have sold out to him, there must be works to validate that I'm a faithful person. You can't be spreading the message, smoking dope, sleeping around, lying and stealing, and justifying all of it. You can't. You're deceived. You have been deceived. And that is probably the scariest part of this whole message. Thinking you're okay and finding out you are not. Help us, Jesus. Turn the light. Didn't David say, search me. Search me. See if there be any wicked thing in me. Now, of course, Nathan the prophet exposed what was in there. And he repented. And we know that David is okay. Turn with me to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no want. Stop right there. If he's your shepherd, what are you wanting? What has replaced his shepherding? He makes me lie down. Tom, you need, I took three days off with, couldn't speak, right? For me to sit home for three days is like, help me, Jesus. He makes us lie down. I had some wonderful time. 
He makes us lie down. Miss Addie brought me spaghetti and meatballs. You know how good God is? My wife was going out to help out at the farm and all that. So I pretty much had, Katie was at a woman's retreat. So I had my, me and the dog for two days. And I said, Lord, I'd really like to have spaghetti and meatballs today. I, I know it's not really good, but man, I just, I, and I put it aside. And I, I'm not going to make it for myself. Miss Addie calls up and said, Cal's on his way with spaghetti and meatballs. I said, Jesus, I have all I need. <laughs> it's like, how did Miss Addie know that? Because she knows the Lord. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy sometimes. He restores my soul, leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't keep you there. Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Don't fear any evil. Your rod and staff comfort me. I love this. I put this connection together this morning. My wife has this amazing painting of this beautiful table set with all sorts of fancy silverware and all, and it hangs in right over her desk. This week she ordered a plaque that says, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now she showed me the plaque, I said, and I didn't have my glasses, I was, oh, that's nice. She put it on there, and I'm like getting my sermon ready together, and I was, shared it. We were actually reading it in the Jennifer LeClaire um, journal this morning, which was out of Psalm 23, 5. And the, well, that's in my sermon today. She goes, well, that's on the plaque I put. I said, whoa. This is sometimes a little, <laughs> whoa. And I, I want you to get this. There is a place where the Lord sets the table in the presence of the enemies. That is not in heaven because there's no enemies there. <laughs> It's right here. You think, oh, yeah, in the sweet by and by, I'm going to have a table with the Lord. No. It's right here, right before you walk through the valley or right after you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He sets up a table and says, come on. And here's, I've got it listed here. The Lord puts your praise and worship on the devil's intercom. I have this listed here on number nine. When we walk through the valley, the Lord puts worship that we give him and the love we give him. That's why when we say, I exalt thee, and the whole church is like, he's got to be, son, come here, listen to the angels. Look at that. Look at that crowd down there. And guess what he does? In the midst of your battles and your storms and the valleys of the shadow, you're worshiping him and declaring his love for you. When Bishop got up and said, just tell him, how, forget about your problems and your list of things you need him to take care of. Just worship him. When we start doing that, it puts it over the devil's intercom. And the devil, he gets this blast. You loser, you loser, 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 loser. Because he gives us this presence. He says he inhabits the praise of his people, right? He inhabits it. And when the devil who does all he can to mess us up, and we cooperate with him, and then he, we still worship God in the midst of it, he says, loser. And the devil's like, I did everything I knew. I, I sent my demons. I sent this. And they're still worse. Yeah, he goes, I got a guy named Job. He will neither leave his worship of me. Oh, yeah, he will. No, he won't. So when we look at this self, number four, self wants to have everything. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, got to put it to death, got to put it to death, this whole, this whole message in Colossians 3 is about living the new life. Verse 5, King James says, mortify your members, that's fancy 1600 speak for, you need to kill this old dude. Okay, Tom's translation, okay? New Living says it this way. Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking <laughs> within you. <laughs> what the heck? I was thinking about putting on one of those crazy costumes, and I was thinking about 
Danny Holden when he would dress up as the sometimes as the devil and creep all around in his black thing, right? And and David was uh, he was what Pastor Coldheart. <laughs> but here's what here's what the, he's saying is you have got to kill this thing. This sinful earthly thing have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. A greedy person is nothing but an idolater. You're holding on to your money. Worshiping things of the world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. When we've got leaders that are teaching our children homosexuality, when we've got leaders killing children and validating this and expanding the anger of God is coming. You've got to decide which side of this plumb line you're going to be on. And then you've got to put it to death. Yes, you do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you thank God for His grace. Not by works, but by His grace. He says, I want you to see yourself has got to die. Number five, faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. Faith has got to stand on the shoulders of quiet trust. When it doesn't work out the way you think it should, or maybe the way you prayed it, faith has got to stand up and trust that God is good. And that only works when you're walking through the valley. That's when you get to prove the reward of what He said. And when He comes back, he will reward you according to what you have done. Worship him and let him yell at the devil, loser. Now, I want to deal with this one. I'm not trying to be mean, but we have a tendency to make mountains out of molehills. Anxiety and fear in life is really a lordship issue. Hello? Anxiety... And fear, if he told us in Timothy, God hasn't given you fear, he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. So we know the devil gave us fear. Anxiety is rooted in unbelief, which is a lordship issue. And so, again, I'm not trying to be critical because we have a lot of people that struggle with anxiety, panic attacks. But there's, it's a spirit, but it's also something that we have to deal with in what we believe. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. Anxiety means He's not going to take care of me. He's not going to provide for me. I'm not good enough. I haven't been able to do this. It's all wrapped in lies and doubt and unbelief. If God is for me, who can be against me? So this is, he, He's my shepherd. He's the shepherd. So I, you know, I'm preaching to myself because we all got it. There are levels of anxiety and unbelief and doubt that we all carry, especially when we face the molehill or the mountain. And then we make it so big, and guess what? We even justify our molehills by talking about it. Come on. He's either your shepherd or he's not. He's either the Lord or he's not. That is the blanket truth. He's either the Lord or he's not. And if he is for you, who can be against me? And I either believe he's my Lord and my God, or he's just my salvation hope. And he is, but it's so much more. If not, he would have taken you home the moment you got saved. But you're here to be a witness. You're here to witness, to pull them from the flames. All those that are going to hell in a handbasket. It's God in that place. He is the one who is the Lord. We exaggerate these promises, these problems. But then he invites us. You got a problem? Come and sit at my table. Come on, let's have a, let's have a big, I, I picture this one day, the Lord gave me a picture. I said, Lord, is that for here? He goes, of course, there's no devils in heaven. I threw them out. I said, well, and he, I, I thought of the Thanksgiving table. I love Thanksgiving. Oh, my goodness. Mrs. Addie's pies. My daughter's pumpkin pie. Stuffing with gravy. 
dark meat heaped up. Oh, Lord, I'm about ready to get hungry. I picture one day the Lord said, look at, you love that, that luncheon, right? Dinner time with your family. Yeah, yeah. I saw myself with this big turkey bone. You ever see him at the fair? Big turkey bone. Turkey leg drumstick. And the devil's out there, and he's all scrawny, and he's looking there. He, had, he failed. He tried everything, and I'm sitting there next to the Lord with my whole family, everybody I love, and I got this drumstick dripping with gravy, and I'm doing this to the devil. Loser. Loser. I'm like, and it's like, once we get an understanding, I'm seated, seated at his table. You are seated at his table table. Now you can get up and leave the table. But if you'll sit at the table, God will meet you there. So this is this revelation of God's goodness to us that he, he told us everything. We just God, why got to get it in here, God. Come on, break in. It's only by the teacher. The encounter, the one who comes. The advocate. The one who's been sent, receive him. He will teach you everything you need to know. Let me land this thing. Never underestimate the power of kingdom peace and joy. He told us in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Never underestimate peace and joy. When you are in a place where I'm walking through the valley, I don't. I want to get out of this place. It's dark. It's ugly. It's death. It's like, Lord, lead me out of this place. Peace and joy. I don't understand what you're doing. My wife and I have a ton of questions to ask him. But we haven't lost our trust. We have not lost the goodness of God. We, we play that song over and over again. The goodness of God. I have seen the goodness of God. He's not only been a father, but he's been my friend. When we come to that revelation, we are on the journey to getting into this place. Now here's one more. Number 10. The Lord really likes the journey. He loves the process he said in Philippians 1.6, he who began the work in you will perform it till the day he comes. So he's working you over. He's forming that clay. He's, he's working. It's like, mm, mm, round now, that's not good. I'm going to fire that up a little more, right? But then we love, we don't like the journey. <laughs> we really don't. We like the end result. Get me right up the mountain, we're done. So we don't like necessarily the process. He loves the process. We like the outcome. Last scripture. Turn with me, Mark 4. Mark 4, 35. Mark chapter 4. We'll begin in verse... 35. <clears throat> Again, I want you to put yourself in the scriptures. They've been doing a lot of ministry. The Lord told them to get in the boat. They get in the boat, and they're going across the Galilee. If you've ever seen the Galilee in a, in a tough weather storm, it it's can get ugly. You have professional fishermen in the boat. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He's sound asleep in the boat. It says it got so bad, the water's crashing over the top of the boat. The wind is so high and the waves are so, these professional fishermen are scared for their lives. Get in the boat for a minute. You're in the boat and the thing is, it's doing what, I've been in the North Atlantic in a storm when I was being trained in the Merchant Marine. I'm telling you what, there were no atheists on our boat at the end of that thing. None. It's like, and the terminology to the Lord, he's asleep. <laughs> Get this. The water's crashing over. They're probably bailing. They're probably, you know, and he's, and their statement to the 
Messiah of the world is, don't you care that we're perishing? <laughs> Hello, he's the Messiah. <laughs> what a crazy. Isn't that just like us? Don't you care, God, what I'm going through? Don't you see the storm? Don't you see? He goes, his response. First, they wake him up. Verse 38, he's sleeping in the back of the boat with a cushion on his head. They wake him up. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? He doesn't respond. When he, woke, when he wakes up, <sighs> wind, be quiet. Waves, shut down. Their response is absolutely terrified. Feared exceedingly, King James says. Before you were ready to wake up the Messiah because you're afraid because you're going to drown. Now that the Messiah has taken care of this, you're exceedingly afraid? Isn't that when you've seen the miracle come? There's this place where you will get on your face and say, I've had that experience multiple times. The blind lady in Belém, who came in the church, just like I was preaching here, walks in, steps up on the stage and says, if he'll pray for me, my blindness will go. Yipes. Lord, you said the lame would walk, the blind would see, and the deaf would hear. In Jesus' name, open her eyes. And he did. When you see someone, when you experience that, you can't get past it. It's, they were terrified that even the winds and the waves. His response to them was this. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Let's stand. We're learning to rest in the storm. God is inviting us. Can we do that song? God is in the goodness of God. Is that something you can pull up? Oh my gosh. I want it. I want it. Wow. God is good. You see how he takes, he just like, oh my goodness. God is inviting us to operate. Listen, this is real important. God is inviting us to operate in a higher realm. With him as Lord of all. I'm not going to invite you to come out of your seat, but I want us, as they play this song, the goodness of God, we want to thank him for that. But if this is your prayer, I know you can't hear a testimony and a word that doesn't cut us in areas where we know there are areas that we haven't completely sold out, don't know how or maybe wanted to, or fell back. God is able. He's able. You just got to make a deal with God. I love it. No deal, son, until I got it all. I love that. Lord, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, just kind of close your eyes. Do some business with the Lord right now. If there's an area of sin, unforgiveness, Anxiety, fear, insecurity, low self-esteem, those are lies. He died for you. He knows how big He is and He knows who you are in Him. God, we just come and ask you to take us into a realm. We're on a journey realm. So Lord, we want to go into that deeper, higher place of completely being your follower. I am a follower of Jesus. He is the Lord of all of my life. And on that day that I stand before Him, He will hand me the rewards of that fellowship.
your heads. I want to declare a benediction over you. <laughs> Going back to my old days of benedictions. <clears throat> now, dear friends, you must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others, but do it with great caution, hating the sin that contaminates their lives. Now, unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of of his glory in exceeding great joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Don't forget Saturday night at Legion Stadium. <laughs>